This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary stranger. Hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Uh, Tom Orzeka and Derek Grassman from Kohilo Wind Turbines are standing by uh, to discuss... The Future of Wind Energy and Wind Turbines. Um, Just a reminder, second hour of this transmission, open lines, and our What's in the Box feature, our little remote viewing experiment. That's the second hour. And uh, incidentally, for the remote viewing experiment, if you'd like to play it along at home for your chance to win some Conspiracy Show merchandise, use the hashtag TCS, the initials TCS, as in The Conspiracy Show, Remote, TCS Remote. And I say, as I say, that'll be the second hour. Let me introduce the boys in the band. On the Flying V Gibson guitar, our fine rockabilly friend, technical producer Ian Robertson. On the Rickenbacker bass guitar, occasionally the theremin, my story producer, Albert Vinzel. And on the Hammond B, our intern, Ryan White. And Ryan uh, also doing yeoman's duty, produ- producing my weekly radio feature, Strange Planet. Uh, We are streaming live on YouTube tonight, Uh, so take a moment and subscribe to the YouTube channel, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Uh, We are setting a goal of 10,000 subscribers sometime in 2017. I think that's very doable. So again, that's uh, the YouTube channel, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett, and then you can can either stream it live or you can go back and check out the, uh, the archived version of the program. And uh, please take a moment and check out the new Facebook page, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Follow me on Twitter, at Richard Serrett. Uh, from time to time on the, uh, the program, we like to uh, discuss uh, energy technology, alternative energy, free energy, uh, renewable energy, certainly. And wind turbines, uh, people, it's kind of a divisive issue. People are very hot on wind turbines or they're kind of cool. I'll give you an example. In my hometown, Brantford, here in southern Ontario, in Brant County, uh, they just passed a motion the other day basically giving a thumbs down to the 
industrial wind turbine farms. There was one proposed in Brand County. It was going to be between five and ten turbines, and it was going to generate something like 500 kilowatts, I guess. I'm not sure how many houses you could power with 500 kilowatts. Uh, and as I say, it's very divisive in communities for a number of reasons. They've been connected to a number of social and health and environmental uh, concerns. But uh, and, and I'm talking about these huge, huge industrial uh, wind turbines, the vertical turbines uh, that are uh, just massive. And let's face it, they're a bit of an eyesore. And uh, some people claim that the low frequencies they're producing can cause some health issues. We'll get into that a little bit. But my guests tonight from Kohilo Wind Turbines insists, insists they've developed an innovative, the most innovative hybrid vertical axis wind turbine in the world. Derek Grassman has been a passionate member of the clean energy movement for over 12 years. As founder of Kohilo Wind, an inventor and mechanical engineer of the patented Kohilo Turbines, he's determined to keep the company based in creativity in order to be a leader in high-performance clean energy solutions. And you can check out his TED, uh, his TED Talk uh, if you go to uh, the website, strangeplanet.ca, and then uh, go on the radio page. Right under Derek's name, you'll see a link. Just click on that and you can watch his TED Talk, How Wind Energy Saved My Life. Derek Grassman, first of all to you, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Thank you. I'm good. Great. And uh, Thank we also you for having me. My pleasure. Tom Orzeka is uh, also with Kohilo. Prides, uh, Carl, um, Tom prides uh, himself in producing creative-based, high-performance, clean-energy products. And uh, we're glad to have Tom with us as well. Tom Orzeka, welcome to you, sir. Thank you, Richard. Thank you very much for having us. Uh, how's things in Toronto this evening? Uh, it is. Uh, it has been balmy, just uh, wonderful spring-like weather for the last couple of days. So we're uh, here also. Great. I'm sure we're going to get slammed again. Just we we try not to get our spirits too high because you know what's you know we're going to get another. A uh, couple of storms before all is said and done, but uh, we'll enjoy the warm weather uh, for the moment. Uh, so, what is? Let me start first of all with you, Derek, because this is a rather a rather provocative title. How wind energy saved my life. Tell me a little bit about that. How pray tell did did wind energy save your life? Well, I had a a bit of a downturn on some aspects of my life. My daughter had passed away, and I had lost everything I owned, and I was living in the woods and had no power. Um, you know, I had to find a new way to survive, and it was, uh, you know, a long road. But ultimately, uh, it brought me down the path to understand and have no choice but to learn about clean energy and how to utilize it, you know, on a micro level. So, I'm terribly sorry about, about your loss, um, but you, you, were, you were left homeless? You were living in the woods? I mean, you were literally off the grid, but not by your choice. Right. So I, I took that time to, um, to go to college and, and do a few things. A lot of people, and 
around me didn't realize that I was living in the woods, like while I went to college and even while I was um, in the first stages of being a mechanical engineer out, you know, in the firms where I worked. So I, I stayed that way so that I could apply them, the money I was making towards the R&D for the product. All right. And you, what was the impetus, though? Why, why uh, wind turbines? Why, um, why well, we that? Did, I had a friend that um, introduced me to, to solar and then a little bit of wind. So I had, you know, a couple of these components on my land, and um, basically, you know, I seen that the solar wasn't really providing enough for me to sustain the wind. It could, but only when the winds were, you know, extremely substantial. Right. So the the problem I seen with the wind is the turbine would track. It would try to follow the direction of the winds constantly. So you'd see the tail of this machine moving all the time, but the blades would never move. And I just, as a mechanical engineer, understanding a bit about physics, I just couldn't understand how there was enough energy in the wind to take the tail, reorientate this machine, but not enough wind to rotate the portion of the machine that was effectively harnessing the kinetic energy passing by. So in my mind, all I could see that or see was this was an extremely ineffective design. Right. So right. <clears throat> there wasn't any way for me to really do a lot of development at that point in my life, but Really, what ha- what started happening was I I was having some visions of uh, basically what we have now, and what we have now is a system that conditions the wind, um, much like a hydro dam conditions the the flow of water into a hydro uh, generator. Right. You say so you had visions. Is, Sorry, Derek. Just uh, this is fascinating. Yeah. You you had visions. You uh, I've talked to a lot of inventors over the years, and this seems yep. to be kind of a common denominator. Uh, one one inventor described it to me this way: that uh, first you invent it in the dream world. All inventions come from the dream world uh, before you can before they become manifest in the physical world. So you were what was going on? You were having. Were you having dreams, or how were these visions coming to you? Well, you know, after I lost my daughter, I I had to find my way a little bit, uh, you know, with my faith. And <clears throat> really what ended up happening was I, I'm, I became kind of like a Buddhist. So, you know, I, I've done a lot of meditation. And <clears throat> basically... You know, what you were just referring to, what that inventor said, is absolutely true. Um, You know, these ideas that we have on this very high level, really what I think it comes from is cumulative knowledge. It's it's us tapping into the subconscious. It's not not that we, you know, I, I did not have the resources of 50 engineers in a few laboratories with wind tunnels trying to come up with the best design. 
<clears throat> but we've effectively pulled power from wind speeds that no one else has been able to come close to. We'll get into that as well. Uh, let me just remind listeners, Derek Grassman and Tom Orzeka are with us from Kohilo uh, Wind Turbines. Uh, let me get Tom in here. Tom, welcome again to the program. How did you hook up with Derek? Um, I was attending an export uh, uh, exportation presentation put on by the local uh, Syracuse Chamber of Commerce, and uh, they had given me four products that they'd like me to export to specifically South America. And uh, I went around to all the factories, and when I met Derek and, and saw what he had, uh, I knew right away this, this was something unique. Uh, this was something that could solve a lot of people's needs. But also listening to your program, listening to you on Coast to Coast, George Norrie, Jimmy Church, all of you, uh, when you talk about the needs of, uh, of energy, it kind of clicked when I saw Derek's stuff. Uh, one of the big things that, that we all hear on the radio programs is about a solar flare or about the uh, dictator in North Korea doing a pulse bomb. Um, you know, probably others too, but those are po- strong possibilities. And not only does this solve that, uh, being, you know, you can be either on the grid or off the grid, whichever you prefer, but it's also housed in, in aluminum. And aluminum actually acts better than lead in uh, blocking uh radiation, whether it be solar or pulse bomb. So not only do you get the free energy, but you're also going to be protected in in case any of those catastrophic things happen. And, you know, I've I've watched uh, Derek uh, as he's progressed. Uh, We have a new product that we're going to uh, roll out on Earth Day. Uh, We welcome you and and all the listeners that come here to Syracuse, uh, New York, specifically Skinny Atlas Falls. We're going to have our grand opening on Earth Day and, and unveiled a new product. Um, but in your talk earlier, you mentioned about Toronto and um, some negativity there. Yes. Well, that well, is we'll get, not with, let me just uh, jump in here, not, Tom, because I've got to take a time out. Here comes the music. We'll get you to address uh, some of the how your innovative wind turbine maybe addresses uh, what some of the critics of wind turbines have uh, or what they have to say about uh, about wind power. Derek Grassman, Tom Warzeka from Kohilo Wind Turbines in and around Syracuse, New York, and we'll come back and discuss further and also open up the phone lines if you have questions or comments for Derek and Tom. The Conspiracy Show returns momentarily. Stay with us. Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Loose lips sink ships. And sometimes corporations. Got something to say? Call Richard Serrett now at 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Derek Grassman is uh, with us, along with Tom Orzeka from Kohilo Wind Turbines near Syracuse, New York. Check out the uh, TED Talk, How Wind Energy Saved My Life. Quite a remarkable uh, story uh, from tragedy to um, inspiration. And uh, we'll get into this unique or this innovative um, hybrid vertical axis wind turbine. 
in just a moment. But let's uh, let's uh, Tom, you wanted to address what the critics, uh, you know, say about wind turbines. And and for me, my experience with wind turbines, because yours is quite different. These are these massive vertical structures, and let's face it, they they can be kind of an eyesore because they're so huge. Uh, and often they're placed in you know coastal areas and and uh, and so forth. Um, birds, let's say birds of prey, have a habit of flying into the the blades. And um, uh, the other the other part is that uh, some people now this is this is very divisive this issue. And Health Canada, I believe, it says no, there's no known health concerns with these large vertical wind turbines, but people complain about dizziness and, and tinnitus and, and vertigo and nausea and visual blurring and so forth, tachycardia, those people that live uh, near these industrial wind turbines. So let's let's talk about some of those issues and maybe how your innovative design addresses those. Yes. Um, so ours are vertical. Uh, the... the uh Horizontal, if you will, are the big windmills that you, you just addressed. Um, ours are, have no uh, external moving parts, um, unlike the, the larger ones that you talked about, very little or no har- harmonics. Uh, we don't kill birds, maybe occasional mosquito or two. <laughs> I would welcome um, that. So in other words, you do not have, yeah. you do not have the large, those, those blades, those large propeller-type blades that are exposed. Ours, yeah, we have blades, but they're very, very small compared to those, and they're housed inside that aluminum housing that I mentioned earlier. Right. So right. when a bird sees those, he sees like a, a, a solid uh, surface or, a, you know, like, like a wall, okay. right. a solid object, if you will. Right. If just, uh, I, I just the, wanted to point out on the YouTube, uh, on the live stream, if people want to see the uh, the images, they're up there now. Uh, and, um, yeah, that's... That's uh, not your typical wind turbine that I would uh, associate. A very, very novel yeah, so design. So for a home, yeah, for a home, you would put it on your roof or above the tree line. So you can either put it on like a tower type uh, or pole type device, or on your roof or your garage or barn roof. Uh, so ours are not not very tall. Uh, the horizontal ones, as you know, probably go as high as six hundred feet. Uh, where ours are, are 10 to, to 15, depending on the tree line or any objects in the area. Uh, we even have some here because we have uh, some areas that are high wind. We've put some on the ground here, and, and they're working fine. Uh, but there again, it, it depends on the wind speeds and where the wind's coming from. Um, so, you know, it kind of solves a lot of problems. Uh, you know, once it's up and running, you have the free energy. Uh, you don't have to, to worry about uh, uh, the thing coming down. A lot of the horizontals, unfortunately, collapse. Uh, they also uh, don't run steady. As Derek mentioned before, they kind of chase the wind, and they have to redirect themselves. And when they redirect themselves, they're shut down for anywhere from 5 to 15 minutes. So you're losing that, that time where the wind is, is at its strongest. Right. And then once it starts up again, maybe the wind changes course once again. So they're in, they're terribly inefficient. They're terribly inefficient. Yes, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. <laughs> That's correct. Where ours, uh, you know, depending uh, almost within a 360 degree radius, you can pick up wind with ours. And we have what's called diffusers that kind of manage the air, if you will. So 
you, you could have a day where you don't see any wind, the trees. In fact, we have a video on our PowerPoint there where the trees aren't moving, um, the turbines on, on top of a home. You can see no leaves moving at all, but the turbine's moving because the air, it's, the diffusers are kind of moving the air into the turbines. So, so let, me, let me ask Derek a question then. Uh, how little wind is required to generate power, electricity, with your innovative wind turbine design? How much wind do you need? Or how little just do you need? Three, just under three miles an hour, it starts producing power. Under three miles, just under three miles per hour. And the typical uh, wind turbine with the huge horizontal blades, how much wind do they require typically? Seven to ten, and it needs to be sustained. So they can't deal with um, microbursts or turbulence. Where ours, the diffuser system actually conditions the air and stabilizes turbulence and microbursts. And this is unique. This design is unique. Uh, it's patented. There's nothing else like it in the world. Is that the idea? Correct. And when you say there are no moving parts, you mean like there's no there's no motor to well, position there, the blades. There's no external no external moving parts. No external. Okay. So the, the rotating mass is within the turbine, um, with inside the diffuser system. Right. So basically, you know, by by reducing the rotating mass, you're you're increasing efficiency because mass is energy. So if if you have a tremendous amount of mass, you have to overcome that energy in order to produce anything. Um, right. So we just, you know, naturally with this design, <clears throat> we're able to reduce the inefficiencies of having that additional mass. So. Rather than have these wind turbine farms, you're, you're looking to sort of decentralize the power grid, and so each house would have its own wind turbine. You could put it right on top of the house. Uh, and, and how much would one of these generate? How much would one of your wind turbines, how much electricity would it, would it uh, produce? Well, that's kind of the other unique situation with this. Um, these turbines are also stackable. So, you know, in a, a good wind, very small, efficient home would, would only require one of our small uh, single units where, you know, if you have less wind and a larger home, then maybe you need two or three of the small turbines. And then uh, we do have larger systems for community power and um, utility grade. But ultimately, um, our main focus is to help off-gridders and homeowners be much more independent. And in the future, we'd like to be a utility company and deploy our systems on um, a platform where we basically go to third-world nations where they've never had power and be that utility company for them. Right. And, and are these lightweight? I mean, how much would it, one of these units, so you say they're stackable. You could put one, does that mean one on top of the other, or do you just mean that you, would, you could put more than one on your property? No, you can put one on top of another. Ah, okay. So um, how, how much do they weigh? Very lightweight. 
Uh, each turbine weighs about um, 50 to 100 kilograms. Okay. And give me a, a sense. Uh, how much How much power? Like if I had, let's say, a 1,500-square-foot home and I've got my appliances and I've got – you know, I've got the lights on in the house and uh, the stove, the electric range, maybe some computers and so forth. Is one unit enough to power that house? And the variables you have to take into consideration are the actual consumption and the uh, annual wind speed. So let's say you have a oh, five meter per second wind speed and you consume around 800 to 1,000 kilowatt hours a month, then you might be able to get away with one small turbine. Um, you'd be probably safer with two, <clears throat> but you know, you'd be in that range. And then the other nice thing is um, you can pair this up with solar if you want to. Right. Okay. So let's say I had uh, two of these wind turbines, and how does this work? You come to the you you uh, I order them from Kohilo. You actually install them. You connect them to the the power supply in the house. How does it work? Right. You can do it in a few different ways. You can either take your whole house off grid. You can take a portion of your house off grid. You can stay connected to the grid a hundred percent and. Um, you know, just backfeed and reduce your utility bill. But yeah, we would. We don't have a distributor in Canada at the moment, but we are trying to get to that point. All right. Well, we have um, um, we have thirty um, U.S. affiliates, so we have people listening in the U.S. as well. Uh, so in the meantime, you while you're working on getting some Canadian <laughs> distributors, we can talk. We can talk about. Uh, how people in the U.S., uh, at least in the um, in the immediate future, could could get uh, off the grid using one of your devices. Now, how how much would one of these wind turbines cost? You know, depending on the package you're looking at, you're you're somewhere in the range from you know fifteen to thirty thousand for for a small system that you know can take you off grid. Wow. That's, I mean, that's an, for the initial capital cost. That's, that's a lot. But I mean, how, uh, you know, well, people the, here in Ontario the can way really. I like to, yeah, the way I like to um, help people wrap their head around it is, how much money could you give to the utility company to get them to stop sending you a bill, <laughs> and then, how much money could you give them to make it so they start sending you money, in let's say, uh, five to seven years. So typically, you know, then, it would pay it kind for. Of makes more sense. Right. So typically, if you bought one of these uh, turbines, it would it would pay for itself in five to seven years. Is that typical? Uh, is that accurate? Generally, when yeah, generally when you take into account the um, the incentives that come along with them, yes. And so basically, Richard, it, it's worth it for for ten years or less. But most people, it's going to be five to seven. Right, and then you have free free energy after that. Okay, and uh, what is the the um, the life of one of these turbines? You may, you mentioned it's made out of aluminum, uh, so I mean, how long will it will it last? So we use 
aircraft aluminum, and then, you know, it has a coating on it. And really, you're, because you only have two moving parts, your, your wear parts are only going to, you know, be very minimal. So <clears throat> basically, you're looking at a 30 to 45-year lifespan. Wow. For the, the system. 35 to 40 years. And then, you know, everything we utilize within the system is recyclable. So, you know, either you can rebuild it or you can completely recycle it. You can rebuild it. Okay. Correct. Now, it, the larger yeah. the larger turbines are non-recyclable. They're mostly fiberglass, and I believe they last about 8 to 10 years. Not ours. They, yeah, they last... 20 years. I'm, I'm talking about the the, uh, the the bird killers, if you will, the horizontal ones. Uh, so so ours are, are over 30 uh, versus uh, 10 years. All right. And could you conceivably um, replace these wind turbine farms that we're using up here in Ontario? Could you replace them with enough of, of your turbine uh, turbines if you had enough of them? Well, you definitely don't want to replace them because you don't want to take them down. But if you mean well, moving you know, forward instead of have instead a new, of have a new yeah, approach, exactly. Yeah, the, I mean, it's similar to the cell phones. You know, the cell phones are so much more effective than the landline. And you know, in ten years, I'm not sure anyone's going to know what it was like to have a landline. You know, anyone that was born. You know, anytime near this, you know, right. decade. So, you know, and the reason cell phones are gaining so much traction is because of the absolute uh, utility of it. It's just so convenient and so effective. And why would you keep investing in a massive infrastructure? for a centralized power system when you could do these very cost-effective microsystems and have not only true independence, but true security. Because it's extremely easy to take out one large centralized power system, but it's extremely hard to take out thousands of little microgrids. Exactly. Uh, Derek, the- Derek and Tom, just hold on. We're, uh, we're, we're uh, heading into a break. We'll come back on the other side. Tom Orzeka, t- Derek Grassman, Kohilo Wind Turbines, How Wind Energy Saved My Life. Check out the uh, TED Talk, and uh, you can find that on my website. Go to strangeplanet.ca and then go to the radio page. And uh, under tonight's show listing, right under Derek Grassman's name, you'll, you'll find the, uh, the link there. Just click on that. Remarkable, remarkable uh, story of how this innovative hybrid vertical axis wind turbine uh, came into being. I'm back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Big Brother is listening, and so are you, to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. 
Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Peering into the shadows where the truth often hides. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Kohilo means gentle breeze uh, in Hawaiian. And we are talking with uh, two of the principals from Kohilo Wind Turbines. Uh, they are near Syracuse, uh, New York. These are uh, manufactured not in Syracuse. Is it Auburn or where did you say? Kineatlas Falls, just west of Syracuse, about uh, 20, 25 minutes. Okay. And... Um, when you uh, typically, again, when people think of a wind turbine, they think of these uh, horizontal axes. So the blades are on the front. Uh, with a vertical axis, your design, the blades are spinning sort of upwards, right? Yes, um, it's, it's kind of almost like a a, a world whirlwind type uh, situation, but they're housed inside that aluminum uh, casing with the diffusers around it. Right, and I, I, I think. I think Derek made a good example. Um, you, you can consider the the old uh, the style that you were talking about in Canada is kind of like the brick phones, if you will. Right. Uh, where where our systems are like the the new iPhone uh, seven or eight coming out in the uh, Galaxy seven uh, S. Right. Now I understand uh, that you have made some inroads in Canada in Fredericton, in Fredericton, New Brunswick. Um, there's an energy, a renewable energy company there. Is it Neveco uh, Power? Uh, they are utilizing one of your designs. This is my understanding. Uh, yeah, I think I think the, they they bought a couple from us. Um, we haven't heard from them recently, but but yes, yeah, about a year or so ago, they did buy a couple units from us. And they're testing we them are, out. Uh, yes. But we are looking for distributors uh, in Canada and, and as well as throughout the United States. Um, New Brunswick has set a target of 40% of its electricity from renewable sources by 2020. So perhaps, hopefully, your wind turbine design will, will, uh, will be part of that. And uh, what I'm understanding also is six uh, – let's see here. One of your units, if it produces – uh, let's see, to, to power up one house. Six kilowatt, a six kilowatt unit could power one home, possibly two, depending on the levels of consumption. One, kilo, one six kilowatt unit could power one, maybe two houses, correct? That, that's correct, yes. So, so two people could go in on this and split the cost, right? Yes. So two homes, all right. Two, uh, Two homes similar to your size or less, yes. All right. And then you have a larger unit that can generate a megawatt, and that could basically contribute back to the power grid. So you could actually make a little bit of money. Yeah, we can do up to 2 or 2.5 megawatts, yes. All right. And then I understand you have have even smaller units uh, that you could – that could fit in your backpack? You could take it into the wilderness and power up a computer or something? Tell me about those. Uh, We're still working on the lithium batteries for those, but yes, um, those are unique systems that in uh, 
what we basically need is is to mass produce those. So we need a, a, a very large order, but but we do have the prototype here. Uh, if anybody would like to look at it, the other thing we have are streetlights. Uh, most communities uh, pay you know anywhere from ten thousand dollars and up per streetlight, and then of course they have to pay the local utility company uh, fee to keep those on right. three hundred sixty-five days a year. Right. So we can sell you the same type streetlight, same price, uh, but you don't have to pay electric. Because it's what it's how is it powered? Is it is it? Are we talking about the same technology here? Is it tied into the wind same turbines? Same technology, or? but on a smaller, much smaller scale. Yes. So the streetlights are powered by the streetlights are powered by the wind. Correct. Remarkable. And is there any jurisdiction in um, in in the United States or in Canada that that is utilizing that technology, that that are using your street lamps? We're we're working with a couple or a couple municipalities now, but. Um, we do not have them installed yet, installed yet, but when we do, we'll make sure everyone knows. Yeah, we'll definitely uh, get it, get it to your, to Richard as soon as we have one up and running. And, and how, uh, what size unit or how many of your wind turbines would, would be needed to, to say run, uh, um, I don't know, a small factory? Um, it always depends, you know, but... We have uh, a range of turbines from three kilowatt up to two megawatts. So, you know, we can fit just about any any lifestyle you can think of. And what we're working on a Toyota facility close to us now, and uh, hopefully, we'll be taking several of their buildings off the grid. You're you're prepared. You're almost ready where you can take a Toyota plant. Off, literally off the grid. Yeah, it's not a it's not a car plant. It's it, it's a it's another manufacturing plant. But yes, we could Still, do that. Off the grid. I mean, that's Correct. remarkable. That's remarkable. I mean, wh- why is the world not beating a path to your door? <laughs> I I think they, they try to. I'm a little resistant, so <laughs> you know. Has anyone tried but, to shut um, you? Has anyone? perceived you as a threat well let's we'll take a time out we'll come back and we'll address this issue but uh i mean this is pretty disruptive (laughs) to say the least pretty disruptive technology and we know what often happens in these circumstances Uh, we'll come back and uh, continue to chat with tom warzeka and Derek grassman kohilo wind turbines on the conspiracy show stay with us pin numbers passcodes social insurance numbers If they make you wonder how private they are, here's two more numbers. 416-360-0740 or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Fasten your seatbelt. And put your tray in the upright position. You're about to leave everything you know behind on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Tom Morzeka, Derek Grassman from Kohilo Wind Turbines near Syracuse, New York. Uh, Give us the uh, the website, Tom. 
Um, you can reach me at T Warzeka, W-A-R-Z-E-C-H-A, at CoheloWind.com. CoheloWind.com, and it's K-O-H-I-L-O Wind.com, K-O-H-I-L-O Wind.com. Derek Grassman uh, here as well, and... Uh, the uh, tech talk is called How Wind Energy Saved My Life. So, again, just to repeat for those joining us, no need for these 200 to 300 foot wind turbines that we see now, for example, here in Ontario, uh, that, are, that is causing so much consternation as they are basically shoved down the throats uh, of, of many communities um, by the, uh, well, currently by the Liberal gov- government here in Ontario. And uh, they are dividing communities. Some people say that they cause things like tinnitus and tachycardia and uh, nausea and sleep disruption and all of these uh, assortment, uh, different assortment of, uh, of illnesses. Now Health Canada says there's, according to their studies, there is no connection. However, tell that to the people who, who say they are suffering. Uh, but with the Kohilo uh, wind turbine design, it's a vertical axis. Uh, and all the moving parts are housed inside this aluminum housing, so you don't have to worry about birds flying into the uh, propellers or the uh, the actual turbines and so forth. Uh, and the um, I, I was I was asking you before the break about you know these are this is disruptive technology because people can very easily get off the grid. You can take a you can take a factory. You mentioned a Toyota factory ready to get off the grid. Have you been, shall I say, um, maybe encouraged to shut down? Has anyone come to you and say and said to you, you know, we can't have this. This is, you know, this is verboten. I, I definitely had some serious challenges in the beginning because, um, you know, people people definitely recognize it is extremely disruptive, and you know, I. Here in New York, I took a stance that was against the grain on medical marijuana. So they used it against me, and I had been awarded almost three-quarters of a million dollars for a grant to help start the company. This was, you know, about six, seven years ago. And um, right after that event, um, basically I was a target, and... You know, I got in some trouble, and, you know, they tried to discredit me because, you know, the powers that be didn't want this to happen, and I just stayed strong and, and kept moving forward. But, but yeah, you can tell that there's definitely powers out there that, that try to stop it. Um, you know, all I can say to other inventors is, if you have a strong vision, you really need to stick with it and apply yourself and, you know, just don't give up. So don't how, let them win. how many, how many, I don't know if you can answer this, but approximately how many homeowners have you helped to get off the grid to date? Well, here in America, we've, we've taken care of about 40. Uh, we've got two units on an island that power uh, power an entire island in the Philippines. Uh, We have another unit that powers a school in the Philippines. And then uh, another luxury home in the Philippines. We were just awarded 
a contract to power everything north of the Amazon River in Brazil. So I know that there's a lot of guys down in Brazil right now that are working on the financing to get this up and running uh, down in that region. Wait a second. Let me just uh, let me repeat that. You have a contract to power everything north to power everything north of the Amazon River in Brazil. I mean, what kind of a con? How big a contract is that? Um, it's thirty-eight hundred two megawatt units. Thirty-eight hundred so, two megawatt units. Correct. That's and a sizable order. I mean, are you equipped now to handle that kind of an order? Well, that's why we we purchased the new factory and we're tooling up to take care of that order. How about elsewhere in the United States? You mentioned the Toyota factory. Are there some other examples? Um, right now, we don't, we're not too aggressive in the U.S. at this moment just because, you know, the, the power is pretty cheap and it's pretty reliable. So a lot of people don't think about it. Um, we, we tend to put ourselves in areas where the need is greater because I personally think that we need to be focused on the less privileged and, you know, helping them first. Right. Rather than uh, the right. overprivileged. So you mentioned Brazil. We're, we're working. We're, we're working with a charity uh, also, and a school in the Dominican Republic, a uh, school and a church. Um, I've also uh, been trying to get into the country of Colombia. Uh, I had a had a big client, but the country of Germany came in and offered uh, through a bank, a German bank, uh, a free five hundred thousand uh, dollar energy survey, and of course. Once, once they complete the survey, they're going to steer the clients. The, the survey will read that only the German products and not ours. Right. So you run into things like that also. Uh, but the idea here is that you can bring cheap, renewable uh, energy to places that simply do not have access to things like coal or nuclear or, or um, hydroelectric power. Uh, I, I mean, this is one of the things I've always said that uh, what uh, – a continent like Africa needs is an industrial revolution. They didn't get one, uh, so they right, need to get right. their hands. I mean, that's the way we're gonna we're gonna you know we're gonna raise these people up out of uh, abject poverty, not just in Africa but anywhere. They need an industrial revolution. We in the West, yeah, uh, we, it, yeah, they need access to cheap energy, and and uh, you have the answer. Well, we have one of the answers. Uh, there, there's some good solar products out there, too, that we also distribute. So those are, those are two clear answers. Um, you know, you look at what Venezuela did, uh, one of the good things Venezuela did uh, under the Ch- Chavez re- regime, he gave a lot of cheap diesel and, and gasoline to all the Caribbean islands. And in return, they ran their power uh, with generators using those cheap products. Well, now... Uh, Venezuela is going down the tubes quickly um, with, with the current president, and those islands are, are going to be devastated uh, because they're not going to have any power. In fact, they're, they're being hurt badly right now. So we, we hope to, to help uh, countries like that. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been waiting for the new ambassadors, if you will, to be appointed, um, and I, I hope to work through the Department of Commerce uh, assisting those countries. How, do the, how does the uh, wind turbine uh, work in conjunction with the, uh, the solar panels? You produce those as well, correct? No, we don't produce don't. those, but okay. we, we have a, 
a company here in the U.S. that makes state-of-the-art solar, not using the polycrystals. But I'm going to have Derek uh, take over, and he can explain how to integrate both the solar and the wind. Yeah, so the solar that we offer is from Stion, and it's a very unique process. It's a lot like the thin film, only now it's a you know a, a more refined um, solid solar panel, and it's very elegant. Just simply a black sheet of glass. Um, it basically, <clears throat> through its own charge controller, joins our system in powering the inverter system or the battery system, whichever way um, you go with your your option. <clears throat> and it, it's a very simple uh, plug-and-play addition. All right. So again. Uh, for our, our Canadian listeners, you don't have a distributor yet up here, uh, but could people direct order it from you? Oh, absolutely. Certainly. But they would have to install it themselves? Or, I mean, is, there, is, there, is it difficult to install one of these units? No, it's not difficult. You probably just want a uh, basic electrician if you're connecting to the grid. If not, then I would say, um, you know, just read the manuals and you could either do it yourself or have a general contractor help you. So we even, can assist. Yeah. We, we Go we ahead. Can assist with either uh, on the phone uh, or you know uh, tech support, tech support type thing. And so again, uh, just repeat for those people uh, joining us: a, uh, a an average house, fifteen hundred square feet, two thousand square feet. A uh, was it a six kilowatt unit? That would do. Yeah, uh, we would recommend the kilowatt unit. The six yeah. kilowatt unit, and the price point on that again was. Depending on your options, um, you know, fifteen to to thirty thousand, maybe a little more. You know, when you when you schedule in the install, it's uh, you know obviously going to be a little more. Right, and uh, but again, depending on your consumption, one six kilowatt unit could power two houses. Correct. Correct. Yes. So you and your, your neighbor that, that, go in on this unit, and you could be off the grid almost, again, correct, depending on right. consumption. Yeah, and that brings down your, your payback period. So maybe instead of five to seven years, it's down to three to four now. All right. So uh, give people the, um, the website again, and, and uh, is there an 800 number? You, you can, uh, if you would right now, uh, Richard, if you'd be so kind, give the number that I, I've given you, which is 315 Four two two zero seven six nine, and then if you could also put up my uh, email, and I'll get back to to folks, especially uh, if, if folks want to get into uh, distribution, if they have a distribution network, either in their state or their province, uh, we, we'd be happy to sit down and talk with them. All right, uh, just one more time, give us the phone number, Tom, and your email. Three one five. Four two two zero seven six nine. The email would be T Warzeka W A R Z is in zebra E C is in car H A at Kohilo K O H I L O Wind dot com. All right, uh, Tom and Derek, thank you so much uh, for this. This is uh, pretty exciting, <laughs> to say the least. I appreciate thank your time you tonight. Much. No, we appreciate you, your time, and we love your show and. 
and uh, I, I invited you before, and I'm giving you an open invitation again on the air to come down and see us anytime. I will uh, do my darndest to get down there and, uh, and check it out. Kohilo Wind Turbines. Tom Orzeka and Derek Grassman. Open lines on the other side. Open lines and our remote viewing experiment. What's in the box? Use the hashtag TCS Remote. TCS Remote. StrangePlanet.ca, the website. Follow me on Twitter at Richard Serrett. As always, follow the truth. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Live from Toronto, Canada, Earth, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. Thanks for inviting me into your home. Long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' basement, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate in your cabin in the woods. A special hello to all of you listening in on our flagship station, Zoomer Radio, AM 740, 96.7 FM, here in the Liberty Village neighborhood of Toronto. And uh, those of you, of course, checking us out on one of our affiliate stations, the podcast at iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn.com, and TalkZone.com. Uh, the uh, the fabulous apps, of course, the Zoomer Radio app and the Conspiracy Show app, both free downloads. And... Uh, Oh, the live stream. Let's not forget to all of you checking us out on the YouTube uh, live stream or if you check us out later on the archived version, welcome to you as well. However and wherever you're listening, I do bid thee the finest and the warmest of welcomes and I thank you for your fine company. Uh, open lines for the entire hour. Open lines. Get on board now uh, before the lines fill up. And we can talk about just about anything. Uh, if you've heard something recently on the program you'd like to discuss, you have ideas for a future program, if you've had a UFO sighting, an encounter with some cryptid, uh, you want to talk conspiracy, we're good for that as well. And let me give you the numbers in the greater Toronto area, 416-360-0740. Again, in the greater Toronto area, 416 360 0740 and toll free from just about anywhere 866-740-4740 We are going to get to our remote viewing experiment our weekly remote viewing experiment in just a moment Uh, so if you're out there listening, watching on the YouTube, however let me direct your attention this is important I have to direct your attention to my desk here here on 70 Jefferson Avenue in Liberty Village in Toronto. And on the desk to my right is an object. I want you to hone in on that object. Albert Vinzel, our occasional remote viewer, has his eyes closed. He's focusing. Ian in the other room is focusing. Ryan White, our fine intern, focusing. You at home, focusing on this object here on my desk in the studio at 70 Jefferson Zoomerplex, Liberty Village, Toronto. And if you'd like to guess, not guess, if you'd like to remote view this object and offer your suggestion, use the hashtag 
TCS, remote. T is in the, C is in conspiracy, S is in show. Hashtag TCS, remote. And uh, for whoever comes the closest, we'll offer up uh, some fine, a fine piece of uh, conspiracy show merchandise. We have phone cases and T-shirts and hoodies and mugs and so forth. All right. Uh, I also want to mention what we have coming up on the program next week. J. Pat Brown. J. Pat Brown will be with us from muckrock.com. Muckrock is, I guess you could call them sort of citizen journalists, and these are the, the folks that file all of these FOIA requests. I mean thousands of them. You will recall several weeks ago we were discussing the, uh, the, how the CIA had dumped something like, what was it, Albert, 13 million pages of uh, documents. They made them available online, finally. Uh, and these uh, documents uh, went back to sort of the, uh, the height of the Cold War, back even further into the 1950s. Uh, they, they dealt with uh, remote viewing programs. They dealt with UFO sightings and so forth. And uh, they were released online thanks largely to the efforts of Muckrock. And uh, they essentially uh, sort of embarrassed the CIA and sort of forced their hand into releasing these documents. So we'll, we'll talk with uh, J. Pat Brown from muckrock.com. All right. The, uh, the gang is all here, as I mentioned. Ian Robertson on the other side of the glass, twisting the knobs and dials. Albert Vinzel, my story producer and occasional remote viewer. And Ryan. All right. Let's go around the horn before we go to the phone lines. And uh, Albert, what's... Uh, Hang on, let me get the, the microphones working here. What do you uh, What do you remote view here? What do you see? A, a toy windmill. <laughs> a toy windmill? <laughs> that, that's being oh, front-loaded from the interview. Yes. But I, I see the color red. I think there would be red paint on it. All right. And uh, somehow I get, like, ice and salt. I don't know if it means anything, but maybe, like, a children's art project. But I, the color I see the strongest is red. Maybe, maybe this is the week where it's, like, a red valentine or a red ball or the heart. All right, and uh, Ian? I know you're not supposed to just call it out. You're supposed to describe it in some way, but I'm, I'm seeing something to do with golf. Something to do with golf? I don't know. Golf ball, golf pin. All right, and uh, Ryan? It's interesting. Albert said uh, something to do with um, a windmill, right? Uh, I, I kind of saw like a little hook, like a, I want to say like a little fishing hook, but, you know, maybe size of a... I don't know, a little bit, uh, the palm of your hand or so. A, a fishing hook. Some right, do you have, a, do you have hook. a color, anything, a texture? I saw metallic, yeah. Interesting. Okay. All right. So again, just to re, re, uh, recap, Albert says a um, something red. It could be a children's art project, maybe something Valentine-related. Uh, Ian, a golf tee or did you, what was the other one? Literally a golf ball. A golf ball or a golf tee, and uh, Ryan, a, uh, a metallic object, uh, maybe a, a hook, a large fish hook the size of, a, of your, the palm of your hand. All right, so again, the, uh, the hashtag to use is TCS Remote, TCS Remote, and uh, we'll do the reveal probably around the bottom of the hour. All right, why don't we go to the phones, and uh, let's see, who do we have up first? Uh, Ren is in Somerset, Pennsylvania. Ren, good evening, good morning. How are you? Oh, okay. And how about yourself, sir? Terrific, thank you. I, I just wanted to, I mean, the uh, fellow you just had on about the uh, wind uh, turbine, I, I, it just sounds so, uh, 
familiar, and maybe it's a different design, but James McCanny has one that sounds similar to this, but maybe I'm sure it's slightly different at least. And he's opening up a, a prototype in South America somewhere, I believe, that's supposed to be going online real soon. It's a, and he can gear his up to just about any size with the new uh, metals and technology to power cities and basically replace uh, nuclear or anything else for that matter. Uh, now, James McCanny, as in Planet X, James McCanny? Well, he's not Planet X. It, <laughs> he, he claims that people are taking uh, his uh, uh, voice and uh, uh, splicing it and making it sound. He doesn't believe in Planet X at all. Ah, okay. All right, but I have heard him speak to the issue, but we're talking about the, the same James McCann. He just wanted to make sure. All right. Well, it's possible, you know, that there are similar uh, designs uh, to Kohilo. Uh, maybe you want to get on up to their website, kohilowind.com, and, and see if that one looks familiar, if it's similar to the one, uh, the same design uh, that uh, James McCann has. And these are, again, this is a vertical axis as opposed to the horizontal uh, blades that we're used to seeing with these 200, 300-foot wind turbines. All right, Ren, thanks for the heads up on that. I appreciate it. Great to hear from you. Thank you. All right. Uh, Dave is in Michigan. Hey, Dave, good evening, good morning. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Um, fine, just cruising home from work, and I heard you had open line, and I've been wanting to talk about the whole everybody saying that the spacewalk was a fake and stuff on the moon. If that would have been true, the Russians would have called us out on it. Yeah, that's one of my um, my questions. Uh, why? Why they didn't do that? Yeah, they, uh, I mean, they had the same tracking stuff as we got. Understood. Yeah. First of all, Dave, where in Michigan are you calling from? I don't really want to say. That's fine. No. Are you up in the, in the peninsula or? No, no, sir. No, no. sir. No, okay. I'm in a lower. I'm. I'm I, I listen to you on 740, but she Excellent. comes in kind of kind of sketchy every Sunday night when I'm driving home. All right. Well, I, I listen to you every Sunday and that I have to work. I and, appreciate uh, it. Well, yes, you mentioned yeah. uh, we did a recent show. We had the uh, the publisher or the distributor of Nexus magazine, uh, and he was presenting his photographic evidence as a, a one-time professional photographer uh, for those who didn't hear the show. And he maintained that it was not possible uh, for those astronauts using a, the Hasselblad camera to operate it with the, you know, all of that, the, um, the space suit, basically. Uh, the, other, the other argument that he offered up was that the film would have been fogged by the radiation. Although, you know, for each of these things, there is an explanation. Uh, the, the, the film stored in these metal cases could have been shielded from the radiation. Um, as I, well, I, I as I've mentioned, I I, I think we went to the, I believe we went to the moon, uh, Dave. I, I believe, but I'm willing to hear these these uh, arguments because I think they're they're fascinating. Well, our boys at NASA are pretty darn smart. I mean, they they know what they're doing. Although the pencil and the pen was a little different, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> we uh, but they they kind of know what they're doing. And and like I said, the Russians would have called us on the carpet in a heartbeat. Well, yeah, so. One would assume, but then the other question is then, and this is one I can't answer, and that is, well, then why haven't we been back? Well, I, I think it's just the the cost for what we gain 
for going to the moon itself is pretty astronomical. And, of course, there's the other thing that maybe somebody up there said, stop it. <laughs> ah, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, we and, were warned off the moon. That's right. And it's, it's, I, you know, I don't know. Could could be. So, anyway, that's my two cents worth. I so. appreciate your two cents. Dave, anytime. Please call again. Hey, Keep up the good work, sir. You, thank you, you. You're fun to listen to. I appreciate you checking in with us, uh, Dave. Thank you. All right. Anne is in Aurora, wants to talk about wind turbines. Hello, Anne. Good evening. Good evening. Uh, it's great to talk to you. I have listened to you for so many years. I just love your show. Thank you. Anyway, um, yes, I was really interested in the, in the wind turbine stuff. Can you just give me their, um, their email address again? She. W-A-R. Well, first of all, if you go to uh, here, let me give you the website. Okay. It's Kohilo. Yeah. And that's spelled K-O-H-I-L-O. It's Is a Hawaiian. Yes, one L. It's a Hawaiian name. It means gentle oh, okay. breeze. Kohilowind.com. Okay. Kohilowind.com. And uh, the email, I guess, I believe, is um, it's Tom Warzeka. T-O-M, Tom, Warzeka, W-A-R-Z-E-C-H. E-C-H. At com. Did I get that right, Albert? Yes. So T-W-A-R-Z-E-C-H. A. A. At Kohilo Winds Turbine. Uh, no, Kohilowind.com. Kohilowinds.com. Yeah. All right. Um, I was just wondering about... Um, Investing in this um, this new venture, do you know anything about that? Well, no, you'd, I don't. You'd have to um, have to talk you'd have to, to talk to them directly. I know they said that they they are looking for distributors up here in Canada. Uh huh. I hate those turbines. Those you, massive turbines. I just hate them. Do you have a wind farm near you? No, I don't. But mm. I my uh, my grandson builds them. Oh, he does <laughs> the big two hundred, three hundred foot towers. Oh my God! He he's right up there, and the, the size of those blades. Anyway, um, I I just would love to see them gone totally. One other thing: many many years ago, you started talking about water fluoridation. Oh, let me get you to hold on, Anne, because okay, that's a whole thanks. other discussion. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Okay, Anne and Aurora, thank you. We'll stay with us. Back with more open lines here on the Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The owners of The System... Are asleep. Now we can play. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. All right, uh, welcome back to our open line segment for the uh, for the hour. Again, the phone number is 416-360-0740. 416-360-0740 and toll free from just about anywhere, 866 740-4740. We'll get back to, is it Anne in Aurora? Mm-hmm. In uh, just a moment, she wants to talk about uh, fluoride, fluoride in the uh, in the water. Uh, I just wanted to get to some tweets here. People using the hashtag 
for our remote viewing experiment, TCS Remote. And let's see, Mike R. sees the color red, maybe a red ink pen or red pencil. Ed Krez, uh, just like you, Ian, he sees a golf ball. He actually went so far as to, to, to name the brand a Titleist, he says. Ross Moore, a rubber ducky. And uh, the Big Bop. Big Bop says uh, a pen as well. And let me see. We have some other ones here, I think. Uh, oh, this one's interesting. Someone here. Where is it? I've lost the name, but they, they're guessing a piece of cutlery piece of cutlery. All right, we'll do the reveal at the bottom of the hour. Just a reminder as well, uh, this is our open line segment, but I am going to do an AMA and ask me anything, and I'm going to post it to YouTube tomorrow. You've been sending me in your questions, and uh, I will address those. I'll get to those uh, tomorrow, Monday, and I will post the response to your questions um, on YouTube at the YouTube channel, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And I'm just trying to see, what is the... Um, the hashtag, if you want to send in a question tonight uh, or tomorrow morning early before I get to it, it's hashtag AMA Richard Serrett. AMA Richard Serrett. S Y R E T. -T. All right, Anne, you wanted to talk about fluoride. Yes, many, many years ago, uh, you talked about um, water fluoridation, and I'm sure you're totally against it, and it really got me going. And I've been involved with it ever since, trying to get it out. Um, have you any idea when that was, and can I go back in there and and um, and see, listen to that program again? Well, I've done I've done radio programs, and I've also done a television program about it. Uh, I believe season three, if I'm not mistaken, for the TV show, maybe season four, and um, that should be on Vision TV. They they uh, they air the uh, the old episodes in pretty high rotation. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you when it's going to air next, uh, but if you go to the Vision uh, TV website, uh, then you should find it there. You may even be able to view it online. And uh, if you go to my website, strangeplanet.ca, yeah. and then if you go to the radio page for, this, for the conspiracy show, there's a search engine there. Just type in fluoride. Oh, okay. And those old shows will pop up. And then make sure you register as a member, and you can listen to them. Oh, okay. All right? All right. Well, thank you very much. All right, Anne. Thank you. I wish you. we would do another one on fluoride. Your wish is my command, thank Anne. Thank you very much. We will much. do another one. Absolutely. Before, Thanks so much. All right. Before the, summer is, uh, before the summer arrives, we will do another show on fluoride. Do you hear that, that Albert? That would be amazing. All right. Thank you. Albert, on your bike. Get busy Bye. with that one. Thank Bye. you. All right. Our good friend uh, Nelson Thal checking in. Hey, Nelson. Hi there, Richard. How are you doing? I'm well. Yourself? Terrific, thanks, and uh, congratulations on you breaking ground with the show week by week. Brick by brick. Brick by brick. (laughs) Thank you, yes. Listen, I wanted to say that, you know, it's really exciting where we started from, um, exposing the cover-ups in the 80s, the 90s, and the O's, and eventually we went on Blowtorch CFRB Live Drive, um, and ex- and did the TWA 800. Uh, it, they said that at that time, if you recall, the top guys at CFRB said this was their finest hour when we brought Pierre Salinger on for the live drive to expose the TWA cover-up. Former press secretary for John F. Kennedy and then a, a long-time for, uh, foreign, co- I believe he was sort of the, the, the Paris-based correspondent for ABC News. And you're right, he was one of the lone... He was a lone wolf crying in the wilderness. 
uh, the lone voice crying in the wilderness, insisting that it was, in fact, a bomb that brought down a, a T, TWA 800. Uh, and that one, you know, I'm still not convinced that case is closed. I mean, <laughs> well, the good news is that the good guys have gotten control of the executive branch and removed the power grabbers. <laughs> well, you know, this whole business about fake news uh, is is very interesting, and and the the total erosion of confidence in the mainstream media. Uh, and depending on you know which side of the fence you're on, you either say they're the purveyors of the fake news, or uh, those on the other side of, of the fence, of course, uh, point their finger at the so-called well, alternative media and say they're the fake news. Well, the globalists bought into the media of the value adders, the patriots, and uh, took control of their media and started to try and brainwash them and distort the truth. But they've gotten caught at it. I mean, the value adders have now trumped the power grabbers. The value adders. What do you mean? Because they're they're leaving the uh, the the. Um, the executive branch, the good, bad guys had control of the executive branch, and they've been kicked out now. And they're slip, they're even control of government is starting to slip, and they're sort of they're running to Canada. That's why they're coming in here, and they're coming across in the snow. <laughs> well, one of the interesting uh, things that ha- that has come out of the latest presidential cycle, and you and I have talked about this uh, off the air, is that the whole. You know, the raison d'etre for programs like this, or at least part of I shouldn't say the whole raison d'etre. We talk a lot about a lot of things. But we certainly have talked over the years about the, the forces of globalism, uh, you know, the, the, the one world order or the new world order versus those that, that believe in the nation state. And now that has become part of, thanks to the, la- the last presidential election, that has become part of uh, the conversation. It has become sort of the ground. It's become eye level. Now everyone's talking about globalists versus the nationalists or globalists versus the nation state. Which was a discussion which the ruling, uh, the media had kept uh, that out out of their consciousness. Right. And and so now people are, 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 the world over, are starting to question the value of a lot of these international institutions like the United Nations, like the World Trade Organization, uh, like the euro, uh, like the eurozone or the European Union, and so forth. Uh, and so, <laughs> I guess my only reservation is programs like mine uh, may become increasingly mainstream. <laughs> dare I say? Well, we've got our man in things that we used to say that they told us back in the seventies that we were crazy. Now we've got a guy in the White House who's green with us who can see what's going on backstage in the global theater. And he's a Patrick Henry. He's a Paul Revere. I mean, he's all those and more rolled up in one. Uh, I hear more and more uh, pundits uh, calling him maybe another Teddy Roosevelt. What do you make of that? It's hard to compare him. I understand that. I think it's going to be hard to compare him to anybody from the past. He's sort of a, a collage of a lot of things. But certainly, just from the standpoint of the old battle that's been going on, just going back to what's been hanging, forget the recent times, something that's been hanging there in the background, they've been fighting this war. Remember, uh, Lafayette, uh, Cornwallis surrendered to Lafayette, but he did not surrender to General Washington. 
which is why in the post offices all the paintings of him are usually unfinished. There's the famous unfinished picture of George Washington. They had it in all the post offices, so it was right under their nose. Nobody asked, well, why is it unfinished? It's unfinished because... Uh, uh, um, Cornwallis didn't surrender to Washington. So the battle continued. You know, in, 18, in, in 1812, they fought in Toronto. Uh, the British went down and burned down the White House. Then in 1861, the British uh, and the, the Patriots fought again. I mean, this is an ongoing ancient quarrel. It's a not, it, it, so it's, it's there. And to, to, to brush it aside and not to see it for what it is, is just to not learn from history. All right, Nelson. Yeah. Poignant as always. I appreciate it. So next time, let's talk about the art of the deal and the seven-year peace pact as ground, and the art of the deal is figure. All right. It's a All deal. Right. It's a deal. It's a deal. <laughs> art of the deal. Nelson Thal. Thank, uh, thank you. Let's see. Uh, Andrew is checking in from New York. Wants to... Oh, no, that's not Andrew. Okay, let's go to Ed in, is it Las Vegas? Hey, Ed. Good morning. Welcome to Coast, or Coast to Coast. <laughs> Welcome to the Conspiracy <laughs> Show. Um, I'm wearing too many hats. Thanks, Ed. I know. Great, great show, as always. Um, I've been listening to you for about a year and a half or so. Uh, try to always catch you on YouTube, if possible. So, um, it's and, a and how are you listening platform. live? How are you listening to us live in uh, Las Vegas? Through, through YouTube. Great. Oh, you're on the. Uh, you're joining us on the stream. All right. Hello, Ed. Yeah, absolutely. Waving when to the camera the stream, there. I, you know, I listen through your app. Your app is good too, but I kind of like YouTube because I can watch it also. Great. All right. Um. Gosh, do you know? There's so many interesting areas of conspiracy and stuff, and I've, you know, kind of try to narrow things down a little bit. Um, I kind of have a good interest in this, and I, I know you're kind of into time travel. I think I've heard you say before, or kind of an interest in it. I love time travel. One of my favorite <laughs> subjects. This isn't quite time travel, but uh, kind of interested, like in parallel dimensions or um, the multiverse. Right, right. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I don't really have any experience with that, but it, the, the concept interests me a lot. Wow, the multiverse. Um, the idea of a parallel universe, that one, quite honestly, is difficult for me to wrap my head around. Uh, but theoretical physicists, uh, you know, some of them will say, well, it, it's, you know, it's quite likely. Uh, right. It's quite possible. I'm trying to remember the gentleman from Oxford University uh, who believes that um, one day he will be able to prove the existence of the multiverse or parallel universes using uh, quantum computing. Huh. And um, I should ha look that up and maybe we can get him on the program. Right. Um, but, you know, th theoretical physicists talk about the existence of at least 11, maybe 12, I think they may be up to now, 12 dimensions. Yeah, I think I've even read somewhere like up to even like 26. And right. What, three or four if you count time or something like that? Sure. So, I mean, I have no – and this is why, you know, I, I take some flack for saying that I believe in an unseen world, but that's not really out of the ordinary. Right. I mean, theoretical physicists have come as much as – have said as much. Now, sure. the, the question is, are these – other 12 or 26 dimensions, are they inhabited? Uh, I, I happen to believe that they are. Uh, and I liken it to a, um, a koi pond. When you're looking down on a koi pond, now I know koi pond or koi can, goldfish can look up and see you, but imagine, you know, uh, that they, they can't. And they just 
they can only see sort of in two dimensions. They can look uh, left and they can look right and so forth, but they can't, they can't perceive a world above the surface of the water. And then all of a sudden we stick a finger down into the water, we break the surface of the water. Um, that, that must, that must uh, seem to them to be some sort of you know, supernatural, paranormal event. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I like that vision. That's good. And so that, to me, is is how the uh, these other dimensions work. I mean, they're they're right. literally right in front of our nose, but we cannot. We're not equipped. Our senses are not equipped to perceive them. And so I think right. many. I think many or most supernatural, paranormal events can be explained with these uh, these other dimensions, these hyper dimensions, if you will. Uh huh. Um, also, one other thing, Richard. Um, I have an idea for a possible future show for you. Lay it on me, Ed. It's kind of more on a lighter, maybe, aspect, uh, possibly. Um, how about maybe some type of treasure type things? I know there's that um, Lost Dutchman's Mine in Arizona and like Victoria Peak. I think it's in New Mexico. Right. Or just something along those lines. Uh, just kind of a lighter kind of topic, but I think it might have some interest. Would love to. You know what? It's we. Darn, darn knows darn well we need it. <laughs> we need yeah, something exactly. lighter after uh, what we've been through, and we'll get on that. Maybe we'll do and we'll revisit Oak Island. Thank you, Ed in Las Vegas. Appreciate it. Thank back you. with back with more of your calls here on the Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. In a democracy, we elect officials so we can sleep at night. So why are you up? 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. All right, welcome back. We are uh, in the midst of our open lines here on The Conspiracy Show. And just a reminder, if you do have a, a question and you don't get on, I am uh, doing an AMA uh, tomorrow, and I will post it to, uh, to YouTube, the YouTube channel, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Just use the hashtag AMA Richard Serrett, AMA as in Ask Me Anything. Uh, we're going to do the reveal now for our little remote viewing experiment that we do just about every week. And um, let me see here. Blah Blah Tuesday says black and white with numbers, also square. Merland Wild says a phone. Rick Knight guesses a pair of socks. And uh, Carlsberg, a piece of cutlery. So here we go. Here is the remote. Carlsberg, you nailed it. Look at that. Look at that. Albert, call Russell Targ at the Stanford Research Institute, and uh, we have a remote viewer for him. Carlsberg, we will uh, reach out to you, and uh, we will send you some lovely Conspiracy Show merchandise. Incidentally, please take a moment, get up to the uh, website, theconspiracyshow.com, and check out the online store. Just go into the menu on and uh, check out the store, and then you can see all of the, uh, the merch. All right. Uh, someone on our YouTube uh, uh, on the live chat streaming us on uh, YouTube uh, Danny Fan 1 Danny Fan 1 or Donny Fan 1 um, I just want to get to this because 
those of you who listen to the program know that our bumper music, we use a lot of Danny Elfman on the program. I love Danny Elfman, and I just find his music very etheric and just suitable to the program. And uh, Danny or Donnie fan one wanted to know whether I've ever interviewed Danny Elfman, whether I've had him on the program. If not, why not? Well, no, the answer is no, I have not. That's a great idea. Um, maybe we should try. Shall we try for Danny Elfman? That would be a, that'd be a huge undertaking. Uh, however, I think um, be very interesting. I'd love to crawl inside his mind. <laughs> I tell you. Thanks for the suggestion, da- Danny Fan One. We'll try and get Danny Elfman. But, uh, you know, that's a big get. Can't promise that one. All right. Uh, Andrew is in New York. Andrew, welcome. Good evening. Good morning. How are you? Hey, good morning, Richard. I love your show. Thank you. Whereabouts in New York are you? I'm out on the island. Long Island. All right. You got it. Wonderful. So anyway, uh, just getting over the snow. I mean, it, uh, finally the last of it's melted away. Except yeah, you, you got hammered, didn't you? Yeah, unbelievable. We got through the whole winter, and then all of a sudden that came out of nowhere. But March is still ahead of us, you know what they say. Yes. So we shall see. But I get a feeling because the heat you feel when the sun arcs across the sky, you know, through the windows. Right. I think winter's definitely on the way out, fighting a losing battle. We'll I see. hope so. <laughs> I don't want to jinx it, though. Anyway, I, I called because uh, I was listening last week when, I guess it was last week, when you had the guy on who was talking about the photography. On, uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, it's been a couple yeah, weeks. Yeah, on the moon yeah. stuff. Right. Every time they bring it up, I never hear anything that I heard like a number of years ago. Oh, must have been, I'm old, so I don't know. It could have been 10, 15 <laughs> years ago. But I was sitting around with a bunch of people, and we were talking about, did we go to the moon? You know. Right. And one of the guys brought up, just out of a clear blue sky, he said, no, he said, I, I saw a program on TV where they said there were shadows, there were different shadows, that means there was lighting outside and everything like that. And a guy who was sitting there was, was a quiet kind of guy at the time, he was kind of a techno-nerd kind of guy, he said to me, he said, no, he said, we did go to the moon, but those pictures that you saw weren't real. And, of course, the guy said, what do you mean they weren't real? He said they couldn't show any of the pictures on the moon. I said, how do you know this? What are you talking about? And he claimed that he had an uncle or somebody who worked at the photo lab that processes the stuff, you know? Right. It wasn't NASA. It was somebody somebody within the one of the branches of the service okay. that processed the thing. And he said, you'll never see the real photos because there was no way they could take photographs on the moon without the ruins being showed. Ah. And I said, the ruins being showed? What's that? <laughs> he said, there are ruins everywhere. That's why they went to that particular place. And I, I just kind of kept it like in the back of my mind as loose talk. But over the years, as I was thinking about it, I said, you know something? If they did go to the moon and there were ruins there and they found stuff, let's face it, we probably have some sort of anti-grav ships of some kind. And I don't think Homo sapiens came up with the anti-grav technology. It was all back-engineered stuff, you know, right, from stuff, right. that we, the stuff that we found. I mean, you know, you talk about the Nazi bell back during the Second World War, and they're talking about superheating metals and spinning them around at a terrific speed. Mm-hmm. You think a human being would come up with an idea, let's take some me- uh, metals, melt them down to a liquid, heat them up to superheat, and then spin them around a thing and see what we... They're not going to do something like that unless they got the idea from something else and then worked on it. So I think if there are ruins up there, and if they went up to the moon and they brought something back, and it warranted further exploration, I could see seven or eight trips to the moon, and beyond that, it would have to go black. 
Because if you keep on going to the moon all the time, and there's only so many rocks and minerals that you right. can show the general public, people are going to start asking, after, why are you going to the moon? What are you doing up on the moon all Excellent the time? points all, Andrew. Got to run. We have a now, break. One, one quick thing. Okay, this hold on. I'll get, you. I'll get to you after the break. Hold on. I promise. Andrew stays with us. More of your, co- your uh, calls here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Poking holes in the darkness. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To see the light, call Richard now at 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Andrew uh, stays with us from uh, the island in New York, and uh, you were talking about the, the moon landing and made some excellent points. This is something, you know, I think we've, we've, we've heard before that uh, the, uh, the Apollo astronauts discovered or they knew about them uh, in advance and they went to one specific area on the moon because they wanted to check out these ancient artifacts on the moon or ancient structures uh, and that perhaps these were A, airbrushed out of the, uh, the, uh, the, the pictures taken on the moon or they, um, the pictures were produced elsewhere, maybe on a sound stage. Uh, we went to the moon but we couldn't obviously take those pictures on the moon because it would have shown these structures, they were everywhere. And, uh, Andrew, you had another point you wanted to get to. Yeah, the other thing that has I don't really know. The jury's still out, as they say, on that whole thing. But, you know, I often wonder this. Richard, you know, you've had a telescope ever since you were a little kid. You've had a, you know, you get a telescope when you're young, and you right. look at bigger telescopes as you get older. Where have you ever on this planet seen a telescope that didn't have a secondary lens to adjust the focus in it? They all have things to adjust the focus in it. Right, right. So I often wonder myself, you know, why, when there was doubt about us going to the moon, it would be a simple matter just to take, what's that telescope that orbits the Earth? The Hubble. Take, the Hubble, yeah. yeah. Like, take the Hubble that takes the, these pictures of galaxies that are, you know, tens of thousands of light years away, and just aim it at the moon, right. put, the, put the thing all the highest resolution, so it would be like you could see, like, little areas on the moon, and just go to the landing site where the thing is and show people. Well, I, I believe uh, I believe uh, um, that. That's what they say. I, they yeah, can't yeah. focus on it. It's mm. too close. That's what they say. But I said, is it too close, or is it that they don't want to focus on it because they don't want people to see what's up there? Right, right. Well, you know, yeah. I think we're going to find out soon enough when uh, when China Chinese sends up when they send an unmanned uh, uh, probe up there. But I like, believe I, I believe that we landed on the moon. Um, oh, I do too. I, uh, I agree. I agree with the last caller because if we didn't go to the moon, Russia had Sputnik up before we had Explorer up, and they, their technology is on a par with ours. And they would have they would have ratted us out. They would have known. They would have been able to see that nothing left Earth orbit and went towards them. They would. It would have been nine ways till Sunday. People would have been saying it's a big hoax. Right. And the big issue uh, with a lot of uh, debunkers is that uh, the Van Allen belts would prevent us. But there, there is a they, there's a way to get around those Van Allen belts. They, they're very sort of the Van Allen belts are most prevalent at the uh, at the poles, and they kind of thin out, um, like around the equator. So you can do sort of an end run around those Van Allen belts, and you can travel. There's there's thicker parts and there are thinner parts. 
So they they understood this, and they they um, they sent the uh, the rockets through the thinner parts, so to minimize uh, exposure. So the Van Allen belts is not a deal killer for me by any stretch. Richard, I'll let you go, but uh, you know you know Moore's law, right? Yes. Every you know five years, something else, right. three years, the availability of all knowledge doubles. Right. Okay. Let's just say that we had the technology back in the 40s or the 50s to make anti-grav shifts. Right. You know? Right. I, if you look up something called um, a flux liner, okay. F-L-U-X-L-I-N-E-R, just Google it. Okay. And look at some of the stuff that's on there. And look at the shape of some of these early diagrams. You know, saucers, you know, UFOs nowadays are the triangular ones. Before that, going back to, like, 60s, early 50s, they were little dots of light, like the famous pictures of them going in formation by the water tower there. Right. You've seen that, okay? Sure. If you look at the real early ones, the stuff like uh, the writer George Adamski, you know who he is? Right, yes, of course. Okay. Like inside the spaceships and stuff. They look like they look like a, a dinner plate, like a regular dinner plate sure. sitting on a table, ready to have food on it. And you know what a pie plate is that you cook a pie yes. with? Yes, yes. Well, imagine a deep dish pie plate, like a deep dish one, and you turn it upside down, you put it on top of the dinner plate. Right. Remember the flying saucers that you saw like that in daytime shots? Yeah. And they look like, oh, that, that looks fake. They probably made that up. That, that it doesn't look like anything that's, you know, um, uh, streamlined or aerodynamic. It, it just didn't look like it would, would do anything. These, these diagrams of this thing called a flux liner are exactly like that. And I said, that was 1957. Mm-hmm. What if... That wasn't visitors from outer space. That was a flux liner that we had. Can you imagine if we had if we had anti-grav technology in 1957? Where would we be at now? Exactly. Seventy years later. Exactly. Well, you know, back in with Moore's law. Just well, think about that. Well, you're you're uh, you're right on the mark. I think because back in the late 50s, Boeing was they it, it was public it was public knowledge that Boeing was experimenting with anti-gravitics, and then Boeing Boeing or, or Lockheed Martin. I believe it was Boeing, and then all of a sudden there was this news blackout and nothing. It just went dark. Nothing. Right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Off the radar. Andrew, thank you. I hope you'll call again. Food for thought. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. It's a virtual buffet, food for thought. All right, Michael is in Toronto. Michael, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Hey, Richard. Just wanted to sing that list. Your your phone line is a little shaky. You on a cell phone? Yeah, I'm on a cell phone. Are you on hands-free? No. Oh, okay. Let's try it again. Uh, Is this better? Um, a little bit. Just, uh, yeah, get your question out quick, and I'll uh, try to answer it as best I can. Okay. I'll just hang up after I have this. Uh, raise these two things with you and see what you have to say. Uh, the first one is, have you heard of a book called The Alien Chronicles by Matthew Hurley? And what do you think of those paintings in, the, in those books? The Alien Chronicles by Matthew Hurley? Yeah. No, I don't know that one. Oh, okay. Something maybe you can check out. Is it a recent other... book? Sorry? Is it a recent book, Michael? Yeah, it, I think it's quite recent. It's okay. It's short, but it's got a collection of amazing pieces and UFOs and stuff in it. So, uh, done by like classical artists, you know. And oh, I understand. So, yeah. In other words, yeah. Renaissance paintings from the Renaissance yeah, that right. seem to yeah. show a depiction of yes. I, well, yeah. I mean, I've, I'm familiar with a lot of those paintings. So this okay. this book actually is a collection of all these that's paintings. Right. All right. Yeah. Well, this might be uh, this. Uh, he'd be a good guy to have on the program then. Maybe yeah, we should look into that. All right, Michael. And the thank other you. thing I just wanted to bring up was what, what do you think about that Genesis six uh, six one where they talked about 
Um, Sorry, that I didn't get. Michael, again, I didn't hear that one. You cut off. Uh, Genesis 6.1. Genesis 6.1. Yeah. Chapter 6, verse 1. Yeah, sons of God. How come there's no mention of daughters of God? You ever wonder about that? That's about it. (laughs) Why not daughters of God? Well, sure. Um, Gender politics when it comes to the Bible. I don't know. I know. Uh, God is, I don't call me a dinosaur, but God is he in my books. Uh, but he's neither he nor she, right? God is beyond gender. Uh, let's say hello to Mel in Toronto. Mel, welcome. Good evening, good hello. morning. Hello. Hi, Mel. Hi, you're on. Hi. Hi, Richard. Good evening. Good evening. Um, I wanted to uh, uh, tell you something. Remember the, the um, Mr. Zakaria Sitchin uh, who wrote the journey to the mythical past about the little elephant and anything of Olmec that resembled anything to do with Africa that the museums and archaeologists were hiding? Did you say Zachariah Sitchin? That's right. He wrote a book about, I mean, I'm familiar with his... his, Yeah, The Journey to the Mythical Past. Okay, I haven't read that one. No, in Chapter 5 he wrote it. And and a plate of uh, number, photo plate number 20, there's a toy elephant and other toys related to African culture, right? Okay. And uh, so they hid this. Right? Who, who hid it? Who hid it? The, uh, museums. Why would they hide a picture of an elephant? The only thing, you see, this is it. The only thing they couldn't hide was the 24 uh, tons of those, you know, the, those African-looking heads, which are in the open. But they try to claim, you know, all kinds of baloney, right? Okay, I'm not quite following you. Like you're saying the, the museums were hiding... Yeah, they, they, they used to be in the open, you know, um, like little elephants, little, little carvings from the stone and, and toys. But why toys would they try and hide that? I don't understand. Yeah, exactly. No, no. That's what he wrote about the missing elephant okay. you know, and the astronauts, right? The, okay. the chapter five. And he has the photo of it. Well, uh, well, so we couldn't, you know, nobody has access to actually seeing it. The public cannot. Well, my surprise was uh, last year my daughter was in Chichen Itza right. visiting the ruins, right? And she sent me a whole bunch of uh, photographs, right? And you know how I am diligent at looking at everything unusual? Right. One of those ruins, right on the top to the left of it, there's a carving of an elephant in profile. Oh, I see what you're saying. It, That's it, right. yeah, why would we find a, a picture of an elephant in Chichen Itza? That's right. Right. Another, con- you know, a continent away from Africa yes. or, or Asia. And they couldn't hide this. I think, you know, but I am um, astonished. People go there in millions, right, tourists. How do they miss it? Well, what is it's the, the what, what is the implication here, Mel, if, we, if there because are— they deny that, that the, the Africans, the Olmecs, Right, what we know as Olmec the Olmecs, culture, right, right. Were, were the African, you know, people. So they came over from Africa. That's right. Right now, let me just throw this out there, Mel. Is it possible uh, that the depiction was not an African or an Asian elephant? It was a woolly mammoth. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. No, no, it's an elephant. It is okay because it is in profile and it's a perfect elephant with the trunk up and everything. Okay, so again, here the 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 takeaway is that the Olmecs, which which predate the Aztecs, yes. and the Mayans, that the Olmecs landed in South and Central America after crossing 
the ocean from Africa. Uh, obviously, well, somehow they ended up. Uh, Mr. Zakaria Sitchin, he wrote that you know they were brought by you know in there to mine whatever you sure. know, ore they they had to mine. Yeah, you know what? We really <laughs> we need to throw out our. Uh, a lot of our, our history textbooks. Um, That's true. It's just, you know... But I was totally flabbergasted when I saw them. I'm like, oh my gosh, there it is. There it's it is. Open, you you know? found like, it. They couldn't, they couldn't hide that. <laughs> Not from you, Mel. They couldn't get it past no. you. Thank you for checking in. A pleasure. Okay, thank you very much. All right. Thanks to uh, Ian and Albert and Ryan back next week with a uh, brand new program. Hope you'll be along for the ride. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.